When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 356th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons stayed out west after their loss to the Los Angeles, Angeles Rams. They will play the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday at 425. The Falcons are 0-2 and the Seahawks are 1-1. Heading into this matchup of two teams that weren't expected to do a whole lot this year. The Seahawks started the season by beating Denver 17-16 in Russell Wilson's return to the Pacific North- Northwest. And then last week, they couldn't do much anything against the 49ers and lost 27-7 as their offense did not score any points they or scoreless over the last six quarters. And this looks like a major opportunity for the Atlanta Falcons to possibly get their first win of the season. And just what Vegas has to say about this game, Seattle was predicted to, their over and under on the season was 5.5 games. And we know that the Falcons have the lowest over and under at 4.5 games along with the Houston Texans, 4.5 wins for them. Also, the um, Vegas folks had Seattle open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which is essentially a home underdog. You give the home team three points uh, just for home field advantage. So, actually, in Vegas parlance, the Falcons would be favored to win this game. So, it's a, it's an a interesting situation. You know, when the Falcons go out west, it, this is the third time it's happened where they request back-to-back games. They did it a few years back, uh, went from uh, Denver uh, to Seattle, and then they also uh, did another trip where they stayed out in Arizona for a back-to-back West Coast game. And so, that's what's happening here. They'll be practicing tomorrow at the University of Washington. Uh, today, there was a field trip over to the uh, joint uh, military base at this uh, joint lewis McCord base right outside of Tacoma, and uh, the Falcons will get back to work tomorrow. So let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks and their offense, Geno Smith. We all remember him. He was with the New York Jets. Uh, the old-timers remember that game in 2013 where he led him in the field goal position for a 30-28 to 28 win at, back at the Georgia Dome, the Georgia Dome days. But he's resurfaced in Seattle as they are trying to rebuild their situation over there. He's the replacement or bridge quarterback for Russell Wilson. So here's what Arthur Smith had to say about Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense. Geno, you know, when I was in Tennessee, we went against him uh, when he was with the Jets. Uh, we've got a couple games now to watch him, what he's doing in Seattle's offense and how they're handling their personnel. Um, I think Shane Waldron's done a pretty good job. Their offensive coordinator, you know, they've got a lot of really good skilled personnel. 
uh, tight end. They like to use all three of those tight ends. Okay. Um, Lee and, and Fan and Cody Parkinson and then the receivers, Metcalf and Lockett. They're good one-two punches, anybody in the league. They had a good one. Okay. And uh, they got a lot of weapons. You, know, you got Penny back there, back, Kent Walker. So they got two young tackles. They got pretty good players. All right, that was Coach Arthur Smith. Penny and Walker, that's Rashard Penny, Kenny uh, Walker, the tailback from Michigan State. The two tackles are Abraham Lucas, third-round pick from Washington State, and Charles Cross, the uh, number ninth pick from uh, Mississippi State. He was picked right after the Falcons picked Drake London. A lot of folks thought the Falcons might take him, given their offensive line issues, but they went with the offensive weapon again. And we're, we're going to title this episode, you know, we always midweek look ahead to the other team, but uh, there's a big issue around the Falcons 0-2 start, and it's why hasn't Kyle Pitts gotten the ball more, two catches for 19 yards. We wrote a story on AJC.com explaining that he's drawing heavy, heavy, heavy coverage, uh, even on short crossing routes. You know, they had... One guy underneath him and Jalen Ramsey on top of him in, in, in a lot of situations, definitely in the red zone. Uh, we saw where Jalen was allowed to roam and then in the game basically late. So we're going to title this episode here. I know we're into it a little bit. I should have read the title at the beginning, but we're going to go with it right here. Kyle Pitts on his selfless start. And so uh, we, uh, we want to hear from Kyle Pitts on... Um, you know, how he's helping out, even if the ball doesn't find him. I feel like it's been fine just going out there, just, you know, playing selfless ball and just opening up for somebody else. And, you know, if the ball doesn't find my way in one play, you know, I may find it the next series or the next quarter. So I'm not, you know, necessarily being very anal about that. So he's not necessarily going to be too anal about that at this point, he says. So, you know, two catches for 19 yards in both games. Had seven targets last uh, game. And in this game, you know, um, there were over 10 times when the ball was supposed to go his way. But, you know, one time, you know, Marcus uh, bailed out, fell down, hit Parker Hesse. Hesse got some yards. It would have been a touchdown if Marcus didn't, Marcus Mariota didn't fall down. Uh, but yeah, he's pulling three guys one direction and they come back the other direction and finding wide open receivers. That's why his percentage, um, completion percentage rate is so high because you don't want to force the ball into uh, a guy that's being covered by three people. I mean, you, you, you definitely want to get um, Kyle engaged uh, but and so forth. But He's doing other things. One of the other things is that, um, you know, on the 39-yard uh, pass to Cladderell Hodge, they had the max protect, a quasi-max protect. Uh, and I know what that is. And, you know, where you just leave everybody in the block while one guy go beats a guy and gets open. And, and that's what happened on that play for the 39-yard game. So, you know, you just block it up. Hope your guy can win his uh, one or two routes. And uh, you send out, you don't send out everybody all the time. And uh, on that play, Kyle was blocking. So um, you know, and they're they're taking note of all those times that he does more than just catch the ball. So two nineteen in the first game, but seven targets, two catches for nineteen against the Rams. Only three targets on the books, uh, but there was a fourth target where he drew the long pass interference call. 
So um, that's where we're at with Kyle Pitts. The fantasy people don't want to hear that. They want you to force feed him the ball. They're like, well, hey, well, Cooper Cup's got 14 targets and this, that, and the other. He's running across zones. Um, and, you know, so you, you just ask him, hey, well, what, what's going on? And, uh, you know, Coach Arthur gave his uh, analysis after game. So did Mariota. And uh, we talked to Kyle about it yesterday. And uh, he's not concerned. If the ball isn't coming his way right now. I mean, I'm not so worried about, like, myself solely. I mean, obviously, you know, we all want the ball as competitors. But, if you know, if it doesn't find our way, then it doesn't find our way. But um, just, you know, taking it game by game, man, it's a long season. All right, it's a long season for Kyle Pitts and the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, he knows that. It's going to be a, uh, you know, folks are going to want to know when, you know, he can uh, help them out there. So, and uh, when, uh, you know, he can get his stats. But right now he's fine and the other receivers are uh, benefiting. The most obvious uh, one that's benefiting is rookie Drake London, who's off to a great start. He was the top receiver taken in the draft and he's been showing that so far. So um, let's look at some of Seattle's offensive stats and then we'll hear from A.J. Terrell and, go to, and then go to the break here um they want to run the ball but they haven't been able to to get much running room up front uh Rashad Penny has 18 carries for 75 yards Walker's been slowed by Kenny Walker the former Michigan State tailback's been slowed by a hamstring but he he got some action last week uh four carries for 10 yards now their big playmakers are the wideouts and uh, they haven't been able to get them the ball down the field uh, Coach Pete was is worried about the line. Tyler Lockett has 12 catches for 135. And DK Metcalf has 11 catches for 71 yards. So Geno Smith is uh, loading up on his tight ends. Disley, Parkinson, and Noah Fant. And, uh, you know, they got, you know, four, five, three catches. A lot of dink and dunk stuff. But he is um, being efficient and um completing 81% of his passes, but nothing that's doing any damage because, you, you know, you, you're not running the ball and you're throwing three and four-yard routes. It's, uh, you know, it's just a long day for you. But he's completed 47 of 58 passes for 392 yards. Uh, that's 81%. Two touchdowns and one interception. Has a passer rating of 99.1 yards. They haven't scored since the second quarter of the Denver game. So, Pete Carroll, we're going to hear from him later. He kind of explains that, you know, with two rookie tackles, he wasn't going to call a lot of five and seven-step drops against uh, the 49ers and the Bosa, you know, big Bosa out there. So, Bosa still got to Geno Smith twice. So, um, but he thinks that their protection's fine and that they could kind of take the governor wheels off their rookie tackles and maybe start driving the ball down the field. And, you know, they know the Falcons were last in the league in sacks last year, so they're going to they're gonna take some shots on on, on Sunday. And uh, Pete's kind of telegraphing that, or at least he's making uh, the Falcons think or Dean, Dean Pete's think that, oh, okay, they're going to try to throw it on us. So we're going to uh, have to try to get after Geno Smith. But if they try to get after Geno Smith and leave Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf running down the field and they get, get the ball off, uh, that could be trouble. So we wanted to uh, talk to A.J. Terrell about Seattle's wide receiver group. 
Uh, you know, great core. Got studying to do, but yeah, good. They, you know, good core, good quarterback, good receivers. Just gotta um, watch film, get all the details down on them. But you know, DK, good, great receiver. Lockett been doing his thing too, but um, just look forward to Sunday. Okay, one of the um, things that happened last week was the medical timeout. The Rams scored a touchdown, and uh, the play was stopped. As AJ came underneath a screen and took out the tight end, uh, and got a you know thought he got a concussion. They took him to the tent for the medical timeout, and uh, it was noted, you know, that hadn't hadn't happened before. But he said, "Yeah, it did. It happened in Dallas last year where he went to the uh, uh, tent twice." He said, "This one was uh, the one in Dallas was later than this one. It was like two plays after he had laid somebody out, and uh, you know." So, you know, that begs the question, you know, Dave Archer wanted to know, well, hey, do you have to change your style of play, man? You, you're getting after people, you're hitting folks. You Basically, you need to make some business decisions on how you go in there uh, hitting and so forth. You know, you go with your shoulder. How do you how do you do it? And so, um, you know, we wanted to know from AJ, what are you going to do with this physical play? You got to tone it down a little bit, just get somebody to the ground or you know, you know, he probably wasn't taught that way, and it's going to be hard to change at this point. But we wanted to hear from him on his physical style of play. When you play defense, you're just flying around reacting. Like, I'm not really thinking about let me tackle this way or let sure. me, you know, just going out there just playing. So, but you do hopefully, know we're a yeah, hope, you I, 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 I need to find a way to, <laughs> to, you know, just get the guy down. Yeah, instead of throwing my body around. We different when you're not out there, you know? but it worked. Yep. Uh, well, he he said he's got to look at it. So we'll see. I mean, if he he's on his rookie contract, and I'm sure he wants another one. So um, you know, that's gonna uh, you don't want to make no business decision to start matadoring people. But uh, he wants people to know when they come in his territory, they got there's a price to pay. I understand that kind of philosophy uh, on the football field. So right now, this is the Bowtie Chronicles podcast from the Atlanta. Journal Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Thanks for listening. The season's underway. The Falcons have played two thrilling games, even though they've came, come up short in both of them. Big lead against the Saints, then blew it. Big deficit against the Rams, then came back against the world champs and, you know, scared them out of SoFi Stadium almost. And they got the ball back with thirty with uh, 322 to go at the 37 and couldn't punch it in for the go-ahead score. But one of the big plays that ignited the comeback or, or made the comeback carry on was the block punt by Troy Anderson. Him and Lorenzo Carter were doing some tandem work in there. 
And uh, Lorenzo ended up with the scoop and score, took it in for 26 yards for his first NFL touchdown. Let's hear from Lorenzo Carter. Great effort from the guys. I knew, we knew what was going to happen. They were going to have to deal with me and Troy in the A-gaps. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we just rushed hard. And Troy made the play. And Troy did it. He did the hard work. <laughs> he got through there and made the block. But once I got the ball, I was like, I got to get in. Don't fumble. Don't fumble. You got yeah, the defensive guys, they're gonna get uh the Kobe Durant for uh the Rams. He's gonna get it. He's gonna get it in film. He probably got it already. Because he got caught by the quarterback. And uh Lorenzo knew that he couldn't get caught by the punter. That's what that was about. He's like, don't fumble, get to the end zone. And that's what he did. Uh let's hear from Troy, who actually blocked the punt. Troy Anderson, uh first year rookie linebacker from Montana State. I didn't really get blocked, so it was a don't miss a layup, I guess. But it was, a, yeah, definitely a fun play and um, get up and celebrate with Renzo in the end zone. Yeah, and Troy uh, also got some action at linebacker. His first action, he played only special teams in the opener. Uh, got 11, um, 11 snaps here. Talked to Mikael Walker. They got to school him on the X and O's. He did it uh, on the uh, Daryl Henderson eight-yard touchdown run. He goes inside. And then leaves a lane, wide open lane outside for Henderson. I don't know what he saw to make him jump inside. But, um, you know, there's some work there. And the Falcons are going to let these guys learn on the job. Uh, spot playing the rookies seems to be uh, how they're going to approach it here early in the season. Let's hear from Troy on getting more playing time. Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a, I mean, I just just told Tori it's been a learning experience, but it's been a lot of fun, you know, um, being out there with the guys and out there every day of practice, trying to get better and do whatever they they ask me. All right, Troy Anderson, they like his athletic ability, and it's just gonna get some, gonna take some time with some repetitions. Uh, him seeing things over and over and over and over again where he, you know, can uh, be out there playing and not thinking. So uh, Richie Grant has been one of the uh, quiet stories here early in the season. He is uh, taking over at the safety spot. They are interchangeable back there. He can do some free. He does some strong. And um, he led the team in tackles against the Saints. So um, we want to know Richie because he's back there kind of patrolling part free, part strong safety, you know, kind of a quarterback back there on the defensive side of the ball. We want to know how is the defense coming together from his vantage point? I mean, using the right word, we all coming together more mm-hmm. and more each week. Uh, and then weeks like this, we out in Seattle together, all together um, in one hotel. It's just more time, more, more uh, ways to bond as a team, get closer together. But coming along is the right words to use. Well, all right. Let's see. You know, now now here's the challenge. The defense is coming along. Can you put it together four quarters? Okay. You know, you didn't play well against the Rams. You, you know, you get put in a bad situation. They get up 21 uh, to three right at the end of the half. Uh, bobble ball interception they score. Okay, and they come out second half. You can't let them run the ball around the field scoring. That's just what happened. They go up 28-3, to and, you know, you're thinking, you know, we know 28-3, the game's not over, unfortunately, in Atlanta. Uh, so, but they did come back. But the defense, they got some stops. They got a block. They did football things. 
So the same good football things they did for three quarters against the Saints. Now you got to take those three quarters against the Saints, put them with that fourth quarter against the Rams, and now you got a game. Now you're beating people. Now you're playing football. And that's the challenge with a young football team. And uh, that's where Coach Smith finds himself here in Seattle trying to get ready for Pete Carroll and his crew. Before we hear from Coach Pete, we just want to um, – Coach Pete talked to the media on Monday uh, in Seattle, and we, we want to close with that. We'll go over defense and special teams uh, issues. Then we got a uh, some kind of breaking news today. Some of the guys we've covered are on the Hall of Fame list. We want to make sure that y'all know about uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton, both of the Seattle inside linebackers, uh, led them with 11 tackles each. 49ers ran the ball 45 times for 189 yards on them last week. Uh, guess what the Falcons are going to try to do? Hmm. Probably run the ball. The kickoff returner and on the special teams here, kicker is Jason Meyer. The uh, punter is Michael Dickerson or Dixon. And the kick returner is DJ Dallas. And uh, Crawford and Lockett handle the punt return duties for the Seattle Seahawks. So with that, let's hear from Coach Pete Carroll on Geno Smith. You know, we, if there was any question of how long it would take him to get acclimated and all that, that's that's gone. He, he's he's clearly in, in in command of it and in poised, and and we need to not hold back at all. And I, I kind of implied that you know we could have thrown the fo football more uh, with the opportunities that we had, and with the trust that we have we have in him, we need to do that. And so uh, we, you know, when when it's given to us, we got to take advantage of it, and we don't have to hold back at all. All right, that's what that, that hold back is that, hey, maybe we, you know, no, they were holding back because they got the rookie tackles. They didn't want to get Geno killed. Uh, they wanted to make sure, and they don't know because they don't play in the exhibition season. So uh, the first couple games were experimental. Now they don't have to hold back. Expect for them to try to drive the ball down the field on the Falcons on Sunday. Uh, here is Coach Pete on the protection issues. That works hand in hand with the guys up front. Um, you know, guys up front work to keep guys off the linebackers so that they can flow and make their plays. And so we, we need to work together better. We were we had some fantastic plays in this game where we you know we really dominated line of scrimmage. And then we had other plays when it looked like we, we were you know out of whack. And we don't. It's unusual for us to lack that consistency. I do think that it's gonna it's gonna take us a little more time than than we want to to we to get really connected really tightly against the really good offenses that are dedicated to run the football like the Niners. Uh, we learned a lot in that game. We had to. We had enough chances, and, and uh, so we'll grow. But there was just some some slight fits that weren't as good, and it really is the connection of the guys playing up front and the backers flowing properly. Well, all right, that's Coach Pete Carroll and some of their issues. Uh, they, they are – I want to see the Charles Cross kid here. Um, he is – you know, Charles Cross is – Handling his uh, situation and everything. He was one of the top linemen coming out. So it'll be interesting to see how the Falcons go after Charles Cross. Now, before we get out of here on the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, we um, want to bring to your attention some of the Falcons who are on the list for the uh, that are nominees of the 129 players for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are 67 offensive players, 50 defensive players, and 12 specialists. 
And the Atlanta Falcons on the list include Work Done, Steven Jackson, running back kickoff returner Eric Metcalf, Devin Hester, Joe Horn, Andre Risen, and Roddy White. Yes, Roddy White is on the list for the first time. Defensively, uh, John Abraham, the White Freeney, Alan Rossum, Ashante Samuel, and Jason Elam as kickers. Now, um, we'll monitor those as we move forward. I think Abraham got the furthest other group last year. You know, he's got to be under greater consideration. His numbers match up well with the three pass rushers. DeMarcus Ware is the one that people think should be in. Jared Allen is one. And then Robert Mathis from Atlanta. And I went and did the research for Abraham. I was like, hey, y'all got to put Abraham in the group with these three because uh, they they all match up. And, you know, one one thing that was brought to my attention was like, hey, these guys had big wins. You know, the Falcons, uh, that team that was the 2012 team, they clinched early. Abraham got hurt. Then they get to the championship game and they don't have a pass rush. I think Coach Smith probably regret, regrets playing them in that meaningless game. But, um, you know, that was his chance to maybe get on the grand stage and win over some of these folks. Uh, work done, you know, pound for pound, probably the toughest back ever. Steven Jackson's got a bunch of yards but didn't win much. Metcalf was a dazzling retain, returner. Uh, so was Devin Hester. Joe Horn, lots of production. Andre Risen sat with him at Leroy Butler's uh, ceremony and, uh, you know, He's one of the highest average per catch guys in the league. I knew him from um, my Green Bay days. He was represented by Dr. Charles Tucker, who also represented Glenn Big Dog Robinson. And uh, her Dr. Tucker still uh, doing his thing out there. Uh, of course, Roddy White, we all know about his situation. And then Abraham Freeney, mostly Colts, and then kind of was a pass rusher for hire there at the end. It's on the Falcon Super Bowl team. Rossum was one of the best returners uh, in the game. He should be with the special teams group. And uh, Shante, um, he um, he was like, hey, I'm better than Champ Bailey. So um, he had the numbers, had a lot of picks, but had the big blunder in the Super Bowl, the Eli Manning helmet Super Bowl that they um, were able to pull out and beat the Patriots, kind of messed up the perfect season. And then Jason Elam, Brookwood kicker, longtime Denver kicker in the you know, in the uh, high altitude and so forth. Certainly, all these guys need to get con their due consideration. Uh, and, and some of them need to be heard in the Hall of Fame room. So with that, we're going to uh, get out of here. It's a uh, big week, big chance for the Falcons to get a W against the Seattle Seahawks. We're also rebuilding under uh, Coach Pete Carroll. So with that... We're going to ask you to take care and have a great rest of your week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. 
and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,